0: You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrds.nl. Now, let's get into the podcast. Good morning. Thank you to our worship team. And uh, yes, as we have just sung uh, our first Christmas carol of the year, can you believe we are in the season of Advent? Already Advent, Adventus, you know, it is the time of the year where we look forward to and prepare for a great event. And in this case, it's the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the time of the year where we, where we remember his birth. We, we say, Lord, will you, as I reflect upon the Christmas story again, speak through the Christmas story Into my story. See, friends, when we look at the Christmas story, and we're going to look at different characters over the coming weeks of the Christmas story, we're going to dig into the Christmas story a little bit in the coming weeks, you will very quickly discover that there are lots of journeys that take place. In the Christmas story, there are, there are physical geographical stories that take place. Think of the wise men, the shepherds. Think of uh, Mary, uh, Nazareth to Jerusalem. Think of then later on, Nazareth to Bethlehem. Uh, later even, still in the story, Bethlehem down to Egypt. There's so many journeys that take place in the Christmas story, but it's not just physical, geographical journeys. We also, as we unravel the story of Christmas, we come to see those internal, those spiritual, those personal, those emotional journeys that take place as well. And so my prayer is... That as we, in the season of Advent, begin to prepare our hearts and minds to hear again and receive again the story of this incredible event in human history, the birth of Jesus Christ, that God will bring home to each and every one of us the beauty and the importance of this story, the birth of Jesus, and that God will take us to On an amazing journey. In fact, to that end, let's pray before I continue. Heavenly Father, as we as we gather around your word, firstly, Lord, will you use me as your instrument to speak your words to your people? And then, Lord, for each and every one of us, we say, Heavenly Father, we are here. We say, Come, Holy Spirit. Speak to us through a story that we know oh so well and have heard so and read so many times. May we hear and see and look at the story with new eyes, hear the story with new ears and soften our hearts. So we say, come Holy Spirit, speak to us as we look at this great story of the incarnation, the birth of Jesus Christ. Come, Lord, take us on an amazing journey. Amen. Amen. Right, so today we're going to look at Mary and where she was from, Nazareth. Next week we're going to look at Joseph and where he was from, Bethlehem. And then we're going to look at the, uh, the shepherds. Then Johan will look at the wise men. And then we'll have uh, a wonderful Christmas Eve service And then we're also going to, I'm going to record a Christmas Day service for us as well. Are you ready? Let's do it. Mary and Nazareth. Let's read the story from Luke's gospel, chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. Let's take time and let us hear this part of the story again. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary and he came to her and said greetings o favored one the lord is with you but she was greatly troubled she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be i love it and the angel said to her don't be afraid mary for you have found favor with god and behold you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call him uh, you shall name him jesus he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the lord god will give to him the throne Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her uh, who was called, and she was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to to your word, and the angel departed from her. Amen. Isn't it nice just to read the Christmas story again, or this part of it anyway? We'll continue reading it as we go through the weeks. Okay, so to begin with, let's go to uh, a map. You know me, I like uh, maps, and Just to orient ourselves, let's have a little look. Let's remind ourselves where we are. So here we have Israel, uh, the Mediterranean Sea, the Sea of Galilee, uh, the Jordan River, the Dead Sea at the bottom. So here we have Jerusalem. You all know Jerusalem. Bethlehem is just south of uh, Jerusalem. Uh, And then to the north, we have the town of Nazareth. Now, this is just over 100 or so kilometers, the distance between Nazareth and Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Before we talk about Nazareth, I asked Julie to include in the map that town there, Sepphoris. Who here has ever heard of Nazareth? Put up your hands. There we go. Nazareth. Who here has ever heard of Sepphoris? Okay, one or two. Okay. Let's talk about the town of Sepphoris a little bit before we jump to Nazareth. So, the town of Sepphoris, only a few kilometers from Nazareth, about three, four, five kilometers, not many, was known as the jewel, the jewel of the Galilee. It was the place to be. It was the town you wanted to live in. It was (laughs) Amstelphane. Alsmair. It was the place you wanted to live in. It was the place you wanted to be. In fact, it was was one of the capital cities of the Galilee region. And also, it was the the first capital city of the son of Herod. I don't know if you knew that. It was, in fact, a remarkable place. I've got some photos for you. Have a look at this of the town of Sepphoris, which today is an archaeological park. It was glorious. They had big theatres. Next slide, but let's flick through these quickly, David. Beautiful. So that would be the agora over there. You know what agora is? It's kind of like the main shopping street, this beautiful main road. We can see some of the beautiful mosaics. There's the agora, and on the side you would have had shops. And this they discovered this beautiful mosaic that's known as the Mona Lisa of the Galilee. Isn't it lovely? And so you had all these Greco-Roman villas with beautiful uh, mosaic floors. And in this town lived, uh, archaeologists tell us, uh, just over or around about 30,000 people. The place you wanted to be. Nazareth, a couple of kilometers down the road, had a population, archaeologists tell us, at that time, maybe around 100 people. Archaeologists have found that there aren't really any fancy buildings there at all. In fact, that people who lived in Nazareth kind of lived in uh, best described as Caves. The people who lived in Nazareth, in all likelihood, were the people, the servants, who worked in the houses in these fancy Greco-Roman villas. They were the people who couldn't afford to live in Sepphoris, lived in Nazareth. An interesting thought, actually, if you look at, there are two key uh, first century lists of the towns and villages of uh, the Galilee region available to us. The first we get from the Hebrew Talmud. And uh, on that list, there are 45 towns and villages. The second list available to us is from Josephus, the Jewish historian, which you've all heard of him. And on his list, uh, sorry, on his list, there were 45 towns. Uh, on the Talmud list, there were 63 towns listed uh, towns, villages in the northern Galilee region. Nazareth is not mentioned in either of those two lists. Interesting. Not mentioned. You remember John 1? What was the, uh, what his name? Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And if you understand the historical setting about Sepphorus and Nazareth, you can understand why he would comment like that. Can anything good come from Nazareth? It was really the place you did not want to be from. If I put it in, in kind of modern day language for us, really, as we look at archaeological discoveries and, and you look at historians, Nazareth was, dare I use words like, nothing more than a shantytown, an informal settlement in many ways. I want to say like refugee camp, but maybe that's pushing it a bit far. <laughs> How many people here has heard of Sepphoris? Who's heard of Nazareth? A nothing town didn't even make it onto a list of the towns and villages of that day. That's where Mary was from. Where are you from? Where are you from? Have you ever felt embarrassed about the part of town that you grew up in or the country that you're from? Has anybody ever looked down on you because of where you're from or where you live? What part of of town or what neighborhood you're from? Have, Have you ever been embarrassed about Where you are from. Here we have a nobody, a young lady, Mary, a nobody in a nobody town. And the angel of God goes to this nobody town and this nobody in the nobody town. Why is it important that we remember or that I even speak about or make mention of the fact that there's this big discrepancy between Sepphoris, this this grand place where everybody wanted to be and where everybody wanted to live, and Nazareth, and that uh, uh, Mary was from Nazareth, and not just Mary. The Gospels make a very important point 24 times Twenty-four times they make sure to tell us they want us to know that Jesus was from Nazareth. Twenty-four times Jesus of Sepphoris. No Nazareth. How many times is Sepphoris mentioned in the Bible? Zero. Not once. And so as I read the Christmas story and I read it as a modern day reader and I say, God, how does this story speak to my story? I think the importance here for us is this, that we remember how God loves, how God has compassion and a heart for the nobodies from nobody towns. that how the world might look down upon, but God does not. How God uses the most unlikely of people from the most unlikely of places. How God uses, how we come to discover in the story that what matters to God is not where you are from, what you have, but what matters to God is your heart, the condition of your heart and your posture towards him and your attitude towards him. We learn in the story how God uses the humble, how God loves to use in his plans and purposes those whom the rest of us look down upon. Okay, so Mary was probably very young still. Uh, we know this, if we understand first century kind of history, and we look at, uh, and we read first century history, we understand that the average age of woman was around 40 or so, Right? And so, what? because of that, uh, as soon as they've gone through puberty, you would be married shortly after that. So, we know Mary was uh, engaged, not totally married yet, but she, she was betrothed, she was engaged. So, chances are she was 13, 14, 15, we think, very young. And so, here we have the angel of God going to this young lady, a nobody, in a nobody place, in a nobody town. And um, God sends his angel, not just any old angel, Gabriel. God sends his angel to Nazareth. I love how God does it, not to Sepphoris, to Nazareth. Doesn't even make it onto a list, to a young lady. Not the mayor of Nazareth. God sends his angel with this incredible message. So here I want to pause for a second. I think as we grow up and we read, you know, children's Bibles and we look at, you know, cartoons and all these things and we, we kind of build this image up of kind of angels as these shiny winged creatures. But we understand the word angel to mean a messenger of God. And I'm, I'm not sure that when we think about the story and when we read the story about God sending his angel Gabriel, that Gabriel was necessarily this glowing uh, creature with wings hovering in the sky. In fact, we encounter him before. We, we, we read of angel Gabriel in the book of Daniel, chapter 8, verse 15. Let me read. It says, describing Gabriel, it says, Suddenly, standing in front of me was someone who looked like a man. Then we think of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Listen, if they had like big wings, I think you would know it. Okay. Here's the here's the point for me as we as we try and bring the Christmas story to life. And find God's message in the story for us here today. God uses supernatural messengers, angels. Yes, we know it. and We believe it and we celebrate that. I have never had that experience. I've never had an encounter with a supernatural angel. Yet, I've encountered many angels of God in my life people, not of the winged kind, but of the human kind. People that have come to me at the right time with God's message. Isn't that what is A messenger of God with God's message, with a word of love and encouragement, a word of guidance and direction, just at the right time. And these angels of God being obedient to to delivering God's message, God's love and compassion to me at key moments in my life have literally changed the trajectory of my life. Have you ever encountered an angel of the Lord in your life? Not of the winged kind, but of the human kind. People that have said yes to the Holy Spirit to God using them to bring God's message where it's needed, God's love and compassion. So as we gather around the Christmas story, and as I read this, I just had a real sense where God's saying, hey, listen, will you say to my people this on on, on Sunday morning, will you say to them, will you ask them, will they consider being open to the idea that maybe God wants to use them as his messengers this Christmas in this day and age? Will you be open to the idea as we read about this glorious angel Gabriel? Will you be open to the idea to understand that, yes, God uses supernatural messengers, but more often than not, how God chooses to work is through you and me? That maybe this Christmas, in the season of jolly and celebration and, and all the shiny things and all the lovely things that go with the Christmas season, will you this season be open? Will you this season be a person who says, God, I want to pay attention to your Holy Spirit, to your Holy Spirit saying to me, go to be a person that will show up Where God's love and compassion and message is needed. Lord, even if it takes me to a nothing town and to a nobody in a nothing town. Can we say yes to paying attention this Christmas? To the guiding of God's spirit. To be his angels. Taking his love and his message of love and forgiveness and kindness and compassion around us, in the office, in our neighborhoods, at home, where it's needed this Christmas season. I think, for example, as we heard in our notices of our shoebox collection. Just collecting a box that's going to go to a refugee child, a child, in all likelihood, a nobody child from a nobody town. And that box that you are going to fall God wants to use that to deliver his message of good news of love and care and compassion and kindness. Okay. So the angel comes to Mary a nobody from a nobody town can you so by the way just on the side see the ideas of justice and righteousness right from the, even the birth story right from the beginning key themes in the kingdom of god so the angel comes to mary and says mary you're going to have a child And Mary, understandably, she's like, okay, well, first the angel goes and says, greetings, uh, joy to you, Um, uh, don't be afraid. Okay, Can I just say, right, that whenever you hear the words don't be afraid, be a little bit afraid, okay? (laughs) Yes, God promises to be with you, and nothing's impossible for God, and we, we read that, but just be a little bit nervous because you're about to go out of your comfort zone, God's about to take you somewhere exciting. So a little bit of nerves, I think, will be okay whenever you come across the words, don't be afraid. And says, you're going to have a child. And then you're going to name him Jesus. And, and then we have this whole thing. And then Mary understand, because, goes, but, you know, how can this be? I've not been with a man. That's not possible. And so the angel comes saying, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. The point I want to make here quickly, we're going to talk more about this in the coming weeks, next week and toward, and closer to Christmas, we're going to talk about this. But the point I want to make is what's happening here, we're not given a biology lesson. We mustn't read this as a biology lesson, but in fact, it's a theological lesson we're given here. And so just what we are meant to hear here, what, what what's given to us in the message from the angel is this beautiful thing about the identity of Jesus. And in fact, his identity is wrapped up and his mission and his purpose and, and his nature and his character is wrapped up in his name. Jesus means God rescues, God saves. And so we're given in these few verses by the angel why Jesus will be born, why he's here. And to say that, but that God's going to come and be with us in a way he has never been before, and this child is going to be like no other child, and we're given all these beautiful theological understandings that's key and cornerstone to our Christian belief, stuff around that Jesus is fully God, yet fully human. We're going to unpack that in the weeks to come. So, so this is the message that, that is now given to Mary. How can this be? The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. The thing I want to focus on, as I said, we, we, we're going to unpack all those things about Jesus and his uh, divinity and humanity. We're going to unpack that next week and as the weeks go by. The thing I want us to see here is this. So the angel of God comes to this young lady, nobody from a nobody town, gives her this incredible message from God. You are going to have the son of God in your womb. Right? Mind blown. How can this be? Here's the thing I want us to see and I want us to take home with us today. God chooses to use us in his redemptive and healing work, his saving work in the world. God chooses to use you and me. Think about it. God could have done this anyway. As the angel rightly said, nothing is impossible for God. Jesus could have just arrived here just poof with a, with a you know a puff of smoke. Or in great glory on a cloud or something. God could have done it anyway. But he didn't. He chose to use a nobody from a nobody town. To include, to partner with him, to to be part of, to use her in his healing and saving and redemptive work. And the thing that I want to say to you and me that we must take as probably our first flag that we plant in the ground as we reflect upon the Christmas story is for me, it's at the heart. It's so crucial as we think about Christmas, as we move towards Christmas from here. The first flag we've got to plant in the ground, the first thing we've got to take with us is God wants to use me. In his healing and saving and redemptive work, he is calling me as he called Mary to participate in his redemptive work in the world out there. And so, don't you dare and say and sit there and say, Listen, I'm from Nazareth, not (laughs) Sepphoris. The gospel writers have made clear. Where God's heart lies. 24 times Jesus of Nazareth, not Sepphoris. And I believe this is why the story is, and, and the thing that we must take in the story that no matter where you are from or who you are, what kind of a nobody you think you are, no matter how much fun has been made of you because you come from the wrong side of town, God can and wants to use you and cause you to participate in his healing work in the world. And he promises to be with us. God's call always comes with the promise to be with us. And it's an honor. I mean, the angel said, you have been favored by God. You've been honored by God. But we understand also, and that's why I think he says, don't be afraid, because, you know, it's not always easy. I mean, think about Mary, 13, 14, young, pregnant, not being with man, engaged. This was life-threatening for her. This was life-threatening for her. In Deuteronomy, we, we read that the Lord said that she could be stoned. Excommunicated, uh, uh, rejected by her family and the community. That's not an easy thing. Fast forward, here she is in her mid 40s, standing next to a cross, watching Jesus being tortured to death. This was not an easy call. It was not an easy thing. And that's why her response is, all much, uh, is so much more beautiful if you look at her response. And I just simply want to say to this, because Pam is giving me, I must stop, and I'm going to stop now. So here's the thing: I want to say. Look at Mary's response. And my prayer is that Mary's prayer will be our prayer this Christmas season. And we pray as Mary prayed. What did she say? Behold, I am God's servant. It's difficult and it's not easy, but I understand you could have done it any other way. But you want to use me, even though I'm a nothing or a nobody. And so I would pray, I am your servant. Let it be according to your word, according to your will. And the angel left. May this be our prayer this Christmas. God, I am your servant. Let it be in accordance with your will. And so Mary's journey was one from how can it be to let it be? May this be our journey as well. Amen. Thank you for listening and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.